This is Scott Moke on Sports, and as always, I am your host, Moke. I appreciate you all tuning in. You can find me at Scott on Twitter, and uh, give me a follow. Let me know what you think of these episodes. This week, I've got uh, Danny Webster, the uh, correspondent for the Golden Knights on NHL.com, and we talk Golden Knights and NHL playoff hockey. Uh, unfortunately, I will let you know, the application I used to record this had some syncing errors, so... At times, certain audio jumps ahead or falls behind. I edited it the best I could, but there's still a couple of rough spots. It's a good conversation, though, and I hope you all do enjoy. I talk about Mark Stone and uh, Robin Leonard and uh, as many auto connections as I can, and uh, I hope you all enjoy. Here's the conversation. And thank you uh, for joining me today. Uh, I don't know if you're super busy or not, but I really appreciate oh. the time. No, not at all. Uh, Vegas already had their uh, media availability today, and now I'm just kicking back and enjoying the hockey. So I got all the time in the world. Perfect. Uh, is that pretty much the plan from uh, now until the end of the weekend, basically? Oh, yeah, at least until tomorrow, for sure. Yeah, At least sounds- until tomorrow. I mean, the fact that there's six games on today and they're going to go back to back to back, I, I'm thrilled for this. So Yeah, <laughs> same here. I already cracked open a beer, and I'm all set to go for the weekend. Oh man, I'm ready to go. I'm about to crack open a beer probably in a couple hours. It's going to be that kind of a day for sure with this with these games. Perfect. So, uh, Danny Webster, off the top of the show here, I know uh, you're the correspondent uh, for the Golden Knights on NHL.com, and you host a podcast, uh, Locked On Golden Knights. Uh, did you want to just give your uh, social media a plug and let everybody know where they can find some of your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. You can also find more of my work at uh, SB Nation's Golden Knights flagship station, Knights on Ice, for any other uh, writings I do there. But yeah, you can pretty much follow every bit of hockey talk that I do over on the old Twitter. Perfect. So uh, as I let you know uh, before you called in, I'm calling in from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And Vegas has a couple players that I miss dearly that I wanted to talk to you about, if that's all right. Yeah, Yeah, go Uh, for it. So the first one is uh, Mark Stone. He is an absolute gem. Uh, miss him quite a bit. I think in Ottawa, we knew we had a, an elite talent. And then since going to Vegas, he's gotten a little bit more recognition. He's currently wearing an A. Uh, I was just wondering uh, what your thoughts were on him so far in a Golden Knights uniform. And if you think that A might turn into a C at some point. He has been about as everything as advertised as you could as you can be. Uh, ever since they acquired him in that trade back in uh, 2019, just the way that he carries himself on and off the ice, the way that he is making his teammates better, I think has been one of the more amazing qualities of him. And the fact that he has not only just become a really good player for the Golden Knights, he's becoming a really good playoff performer. The fact that he's getting a chance to be in the playoffs now, I think he has, I think he's at a point per game well over two points per game actually in his playoff career with the golden Knights. Now it's absolutely ridiculous what he's been able to do in the nine playoff games he's been with Vegas. And as far as him donning the C next year, it, it's looking more and more like a possibility. Pete DeBoer said that they, uh, the, the plan is to have a captain, uh, the first captain in golden Knights history um, after this season and going into next season. And it looks like right now the clubhouse leader will be Mark stone. Um, I know there are mixed opinions in Vegas land about that, whether it be whether maybe one of the original Golden Knights should be it be a captain. But I think when you look at the overall concept of how he is 
one of the best two-way players in the game, how much effort he puts in every shift he takes on the ice. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any uh, denying that he will probably be the cap. Uh, It's been said more often than not that uh, the top line is the line that Mark Stone's on. It doesn't really matter who your number one centerman is. It's whatever line Mark Stone is on. And uh, one of the things that I love about watching Mm -hmm. him is just his ability to, uh, do takeaways like sometimes you see a defender going for an outlet pass and mark stone's all of a sudden standing two feet in front of him and he'll either just right out take that puck or he'll at least be able to deflect it away out of uh, harm oh yeah his his two-way game is just so amazing and i think that just even just watching him for a full season like even even uh the year they got him from ottawa so in 2019 when he but like the 20 games and then they had the playoff run you could just see like every every play he makes whether especially on defense he's got great instincts with his stick he's got great he's a great communicator too i've noticed in these games with no fans he's a great communicator on the ice and he he's like the quarterback he's pretty much telling people where they should be where they should line up how how they should attack certain aspects on the ice and he just has this uncanny ability to know where the puck is going to be before it gets there. And I think that that's probably one of the more underrated qualities, which I mean, that's exactly why he was a Selkie finalist last year was just because he is that intelligent. Uh, when that Mark Stone trade went down, it was uh, Mark Stone in exchange for Brandstrom, a second round pick and uh, Oscar Lindbergh. And my first reaction was, wow, that is a great trade for Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I don't know if you had much of an opportunity to watch uh, yeah. Brandstrom in his time uh, being on the Vegas affiliate. But uh, do you know a whole lot about him? Brandstrom has got a lot of upside. And and I really loved watching him in the preseason uh, in 2018-2019 when he was with Vegas. He looked like he was going to be a lock to make that roster. Um had had uh, Gerard Gallant really went full on, you know what, we're going to go with the youth movement in year two. I think he would have absolutely made the roster uh, in year two. He's got a really, he's got like a bulldog mentality to him. It, you know, he's not a big defenseman and he's not going to scare you as far as intimidating with the big hits and whatnot, but he's a little pest and he will, he will annoy the opposition to a great deal. And I think as far as Vegas is concerned, if they could have done anything different to keep Randstrom while still trading for stone, I think they would have tried to um, because I fully believe that when you looked at the three guys that Vegas drafted in 2017, being Cody glass, Nick Suzuki and Eric Brandstrom at, at, at most, I thought Brandstrom was going to be the guy that they were going to be able to keep just because, He's he's got that knack for being he could be a star. He's he's got that he oozes confidence at what 19, 20 years old, and he just has that ability to make an impact at both ends of the ice. And I think give him another I don't know if you want to give him another year in the American League, but if you give him another year to possibly cook. And you bring him in, maybe not not this upcoming year, but the year after that, 
he could be a top four guy, I think, in yeah. Ottawa. He, uh, he's from got what we that saw from him this year, he did make the team out of camp and he looked pretty good. But uh, after a little while, it looked like he was just fighting to survive at the NHL level. <laughs> Ultimately, he did get sent down, but a lot of people do have high yeah. hopes and we thought he looked pretty good in the American Hockey League. So it'll be pretty exciting to see what he turns out to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the only thing was is that his point total wasn't there. I think he had, yeah. what, one assist in like 22, 23 games. And, you know, I, I think part of that is like, wow, he's a wide-eyed kid who might not be ready for the NHL yet. And part of it is, you know, no disrespect to the Senators. It's just I don't know if they have enough offensive talent to kind of help get him in the right position. Because, if I mean, if Shabbat and Brandstrom could have had all the points last year, I think they would have been fine. But <laughs> obviously, I don't think that's how defensemen want to play hockey in the National Hockey League. So, uh, I, like I said, if he's ready next year, that's even more better. Another guy I wanted to grab your thoughts on is... Uh... Uh, Robin Leonard. Vegas got him at the trade deadline, and I was super excited to see uh, Leonard end up in Vegas. I think that's a really good opportunity for him and his career. And I think we've seen... Like he's almost pulled a 360 uh, in terms of his attitude and his overall play. So, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I'll tell you what. When I when I saw the alert come to my phone at 11:59 on February 24th, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, of all teams, to be like, you know what? We need to go get a, no, a different goaltending. How about Robin Leonard? I, I did not think Vegas was in the. I mean. Leading up to the deadline, I thought Vegas was going to be in the running for a defenseman. I thought, you know, Tyson Berry was in discussion. Eric Gustafson was in the discussion. But nothing that I heard of, nothing that came across my anything leading up to noon at on February 24th led to Robin Leonard. Um, A huge gamble by Vegas. I will say that because it puts the pressure on Marc-Andre Fleury to perform. And if he doesn't perform... And Robin Leonard does, which so far through four starts, he is undefeated as the Golden Knights goaltender. It puts a lot of pressure on Flurry as to the direction of, of where Vegas wants to take the goaltending next year. As four starts in, Leonard's been fantastic. Uh, he has been, it's very weird watching him. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I say it in this way. When you watch Mark Andre Flurry for the last two years, and you watch all this athleticism and you watch him sprawl across the crease and you watch him do these double pad stacks, it, it kind of gets stuck on you. And then you watch Robin Leonard, who is a mammoth of a human being who literally does not move a great deal in the crease. And he's just a gigantic wall who does not, who barely makes athletic plays to make saves, but he does it at such a patient and such at a methodical pace that it's almost insane to see him be able to do what he does at his size. I think what he has done for Vegas, I think puts Vegas in a very interesting position going into the off season, just because, you know, he wants, he wants term he's deserving of money and he wants a place where he can be the number one guy for years to come. I think it, that Leonard would be a really good fit in Vegas long-term, but like you said, I don't know if, that would really work in Vegas's plan. So as it stands, uh, if we go into round uh, one, game one, uh, do you think Flurry is uh, the definite starter? Oh man, I I don't know. It's such a toss up because you watch how Leonard played against Dallas on Monday, and the three goals he allowed really weren't his fault. And then you watch Flurry against St. Louis last night. 
and two of the goals really weren't Flurry's fault. It, it's really interesting how Vegas plays this out because you can't. There is a chance that Vegas will rotate between the two going into the playoffs, and there's a chance that no matter who starts Game One, they're not guaranteed to start Game Two. I I think at the end of the day, if Vegas wants the better chance to win i think you got to go with the hot hand and i say you go with leonard just because he's been good for you in uniform vegas has not underperformed with him and net he's been fantastic individually and that's not a knock on flurry i think flurry has definitely you know he he's been here since day one he's led the team to a cup final he's led the team to a playoff appearance in three straight years so there is, I don't know. I, I I think if it were me, I would go with Leonard, but Definitely. it would have nothing to do um, with Flurry's performance. I know that in these playoffs, we've seen a lot of uh, teams make some weird decisions goaltending wise. I'm talking uh, mostly about Edmonton starting Mike Smith in Game One. Uh, <laughs> the pattern seems to be that a Oof. lot of teams want to go with the more veteran presence in net and that hasn't always worked out. We've seen a lot of switches, obviously Edmonton going to Koskinen uh, being a little bit better there. And then uh, the Rangers going with Shesterk in the last game, a little bit, I guess, too little, too late. Um, do you think that uh, if Fleury uh, goes in yeah. and he does play in that first round and it doesn't go well, they switch to Leonard. Do you think that uh, Fleury's time in Vegas might be up? I don't know if it would necessarily be up because you have that contract to deal with at seven million per, and I don't think they're going to be ready. They're not going to be willing to move on from that deal, and I don't think a team's going to want to take on that deal. Um, but I do think there is pressure on Flurry to perform, not just not just not because he's been a bad playoff performer. He's been fantastic for Vegas the last two years. It's just the matter of there wasn't competition for him before. There's competition for him now which is why I think it's such an interesting quandary as to what Vegas does in the offseason. If they are able to free up enough money to give Robin Leonard what he wants and give him the term that he wants, and if you're willing to commit $13, $14 million to your goaltending unit and you know rotate between the two for the next two years before Flurry possibly retires and Leonard becomes the full-time starter, you could go that route. Um I don't think necessarily his time will be up, but it is definitely if they do plan on rotating, it is definitely going to be on him to be at his highest level, especially if Vegas wants to make a run to the Mm -hmm. cup final. As you mentioned, Vegas is undefeated in the round robin. Uh, I think they've been probably one of the most electrifying teams to watch. I'm definitely cheering for Vegas just because of how fun it is to watch them, especially in the offensive zone. Uh, Tomorrow they're going to be going up against Colorado Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have any thoughts as to how that game might go? It's going to be very interesting to see how Vegas goes from playing a heavy game against St. Louis to the track meet that will be Colorado. And to me, I think Colorado is the most dangerous team in this field just because not not just because of the McKinnon line, but because they've added so much depth to their offense, to their middle six, to their bottom six that they – they had the, they added the one element that they didn't have in the playoffs last year that could have helped them over the hump against San Jose in Game Seven, and they could have been in the conference final against St. Louis. The way that they they went out and got Belmar, they got Donskoy, they got Kadri. Th- those guys have been such key elements for Colorado's run, and 
I don't want to harp too much on the past, but the two games that Vegas and Colorado played against each other this year, both before Pete DeBoer became head coach, but Colorado absolutely mollywopped them. They scored 13 goals in two games against Vegas, and Vegas did not have an answer. And the and the scariest part of that is that McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen did not really do anything in either of those games. Those games were dominated by the middle six and the bottom six and the and the defense that they have. So if Vegas, it's going to be interesting to see Vegas put Leonard in net tomorrow and uh, see how he does against Colorado because Flurry, I think, had both games against them and it, and they did not look good at all. Um, if, if Vegas can kind of neutralize the middle six, and I know it sounds crazy, but if you can make the top line beat you, which is, you know, that's pretty much you're asking yourself for a one-way ticket uh, with Satan down to hell if you're doing that. But if if you can force the top guys to beat you, Vegas is in a better chance to win that game just because they have better depth. Not not necessarily better depth in Colorado, but if they have better depth that can actually provide a scoring punch, that's going to go a long way for uh, for Vegas in that game. So I think you're going to see the top two teams in the West. You're going this is really much a conference final preview. The way that these two teams have played in the round robin and the way that the playoffs are stacking up Vegas and Colorado could very much meet in the Western conference final. Who would Vegas's dream opponent be in uh, round one of the playoffs? Ooh. You know what? I mean, given the fact that they've had so much success over Chicago since they came into the league, I would say Chicago, but Chicago is very interesting because as someone who watches hockey, I mean, I mean, I don't, there's so much parody in the league. So it's hard to come up with this as a full a statement to, for someone to fully believe. But I look at, I look at a team like Chicago and I truly believe the, the meaning of championship pedigree. I truly believe in playoff experience being a factor. And I think you're seeing it with Chicago against Edmonton with the way Taze has been scoring with the way Kane has made an impact Dominic Kubalik has had a great series so far. You look at those guys, and, and I know Kubalik's a rookie, but I mean, you look at the championship pedigree, and even Corey, Corey Crawford, he's played well. You look at those three guys, Kane, Taze, and Crawford, and even Duncan Keith as well. You look at those guys, and you see how much of an impact the young guys are making, and that rubs off on them. So for as much as I I think Chicago would be a likely matchup for Vegas in the first round, I, I wouldn't put it past Chicago yeah, for having that championship pedigree. As you said, there's so much parody this year. Like the somebody pointed out on Twitter, uh, McDavid, Crosby, and Matthews are all facing elimination against lower seeded teams. So it's it's so strange. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what we're seeing right now. And I mean, you even look, you know, at the teams that have already moved on. Like Carolina, I thought was going to have a lot of trouble against the Rangers just because of that top line and you have Panarin, who was one of the hottest players in the league before the pause. I thought they were going to run into some trouble. And then Henrik Lundqvist, uh, God bless his soul. could not uh, get any help in front of him. And then if you look at like Calgary, should they have really gone to the, should they really be in the playoffs right now? Probably not, but they were able to knock out a Winnipeg team that just ran into injuries. There's so much parody and so much, intrigue with these matchups and like you said there's a chance the penguins could be knocked out tonight by the 12 seeded canadians which is absolutely absurd 
there's the chance that the Blue Jackets, a team that I love very much, could be t- t- kicking uh, Toronto out of their uh, home arena by the time this is all said and done. So Montreal and Penguins series has been absolutely crazy. And I know there was uh, a guy on that team that uh, Vegas yeah. did draft in Nick Suzuki. I think he's looked like a number one center so far in these playoffs. Am I wrong? Suzuki has got some serious talent. And I'm, I, I, I love telling this story about Nick Suzuki when his first development camp in Vegas. So this was literally after Vegas's first draft. And they were practicing at the Las Vegas Ice Center. So this was before Vegas had a practice facility. They were practicing at this uh, community hockey rink right off the freeway. And it was basically, it was a rink designed basically for children. Like it it was pretty much, there's like a, you know, it's a, there's a happy birthday room. There's a whole bunch of jazz in this, this place. And during one scrimmage, I'll never forget Cody Glass feeds it to Nick Suzuki in the high slot. He fires a shot. The puck literally goes off the crossbar, goes straight up and takes out one of the cheap light fixtures in the arena. And they had to get a cleanup crew and all that. But I saw that happen and I was like, this guy's got a shot on him and he's a center. Like you don't see many centers with a kind of shot like he does. He he's someone that you could put in the circle. And you can t- tee him up for a one-timer and he can deliver. He has got that kind of game to him. If he becomes a better distributor, I think he's going to be awesome for Montreal. But, I mean, he's already made an impact in three games. And I and I think the way you look at it between Suzuki and, you know, the trade with Pacioretty, I don't think there's a true loser here. I think both teams came out of winners of this. It looks like Pittsburgh's going with Tristan Jari tonight. Do you think that'll help them turn things around? Or do you think Montreal's already got this series? They they've got to try something, don't they? I mean, I, I mean, Matt Murray is you know the one anomaly that where you're like, well, you're going to get Matt Murray that can pitch a shutout, or you're going to get the Matt Murray that just has completely fallen apart since Flurry left. You know what I mean? And I, I think Jari has been the better goaltender between the two all year. He was an All Star for a reason. I, I think going sometimes you do need that switch in goaltending. I mean, look at Columbus; they pull Corpusalo out you know, midway through the second period, they were in trouble. And then all of a sudden they reel off three straight goals and Merzlikens plays amazing in the, in the final frame and in overtime. Uh, maybe all it takes is a goalie change. I mean, I'm, I'm watching Nashville, Arizona right now. I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head if they've gone with Rene over Soros, but that's a, that's a team where I could have been like, well, you should have probably gone with Rene in game three when you need a, you need a crucial win because even though he hasn't been playing well, you at least have that veteran presence to know how to win a game. And sometimes really that's all you need is to make a switch. And especially in these situations, you got to make a switch. And I think for Pittsburgh, they played a lot better in front of Jari this year. And I think that he's the goalie that they should really go with going forward. But Montreal is, they kind of got that pit bull mentality too, as a collective unit where they are just, they just harass you every time they crash the net. They are, they don't have a star that will like lead you on a breakaway to kind of beat you, but they have guys that will get in your face and they will literally make life a living hell for the goalies. So I, I think if you go with, if they go with Jari, that's probably the best case scenario they could do. I looked it up here and it is uh, UC Saros that is playing today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they're already down. I think Saros has played well, but I, I agree. They probably could have turned to Rene to try and do something since they're facing elimination. You, you got to try something, eh? 
Um, mm-hmm. One last thing uh, about uh, Vegas I wanted to ask you is uh, apparently a couple days back, they arranged for a pizza delivery for uh, homeless people in Edmonton. Uh, I was just curious about your thoughts on that story. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's kind of what Vegas has done. They, they are a community-based team. And, I, and you look at how Vegas, the Golden Knights in general, after the shooting on October 1 a couple of years ago, they were immediately out to help the community with blood drives. They met with Metro officers. They, before they even played an actual NHL game, they were out in the community helping out. And it doesn't surprise me that they would take the time out of their day on an off day to have pizzas delivered to a homeless shelter. I think that's just the epitome of that organization. And that's really been the the yeah. way that they've been designed. It's a day. really cute story, uh, especially since they're all like locked up in uh, Edmonton right now. So it's really nice to see. Uh, so I just thank you once again for giving me a call today and uh, lending me your time. I really appreciated hearing all your insights. So thanks again to Nina Webster for the call. I had a good time with that conversation and I turned into a Mark Stone fanboy like so fast. But uh, like I said, that conversation was recorded last Friday, I believe August the 7th. So since then, we have started the first round of the playoffs. You'll be hearing this the day after game one of uh, Chicago versus Vegas. I think Vegas has this series pretty easily. And uh, also, I do apologize if there was anything in that that sounded kind of weird. The application I used to record this uh, had some kind of malfunction and syncing error, but I think it was still a pretty cool conversation. Find me at Godmoke on Twitter, and I'll uh, see you next week.